Shit. Oh my goodness me, that's huge! That is absolutely massive from Tom Walsh. 22.90, Tom Walsh has gone fourth on the all-time list. Hello and welcome to the PV podcast. We're up to episode four. I'm Robert Lee and I'm joined as always by my two good trusty athletic companions, Scott Jones and Xander. Gentlemen, uh, thank you for joining me on this very rainy Sunday evening in May. Uh, how are we both doing? Yeah, good. Thanks, mate. Yeah, it's been a while, but good to be back. It is good to be back. And Scott, how, how are you getting on? Uh, yeah, very good, very good. I've managed to um, dodge most of the rain this week. Every time I've gone out to train or, or do any sort of activity outside, I've managed to dodge it and it's been dry or warm. So, um, yeah, hopefully we'll um, see the back of this this weather this weekend and uh, we can get some proper good performances out all over the country. Maybe you should have been training in my back garden then as I was doing a lot of work in there. You know, I just ended up moving mud around instead. No, it's nice to be back as a group again and talking about athletics. Like Alexander said, it has been a while, uh, but we're going to jump straight into it. And as the PB podcast, let's talk about PBs. What a place to start. PBs and world leads. That's where we're going to gonna go to first and Zander. I'm going to swing it straight over to you because you want to talk about the VETA 90 plus meter machine. Yeah, it's it's kind of insane to be honest. Recently, so we always knew that he was he was going to be throwing big this in his career because of how he he's built his his performances up over the years. One won in in London at the World Champs a few years back, and obviously keep just kept breaking the 90 meter barrier the other season. Disappointing at Doha, but he's man, he's making up for it this year. Every competition he's gone out to, he's thrown 90 metres plus. Uh, his most recent one in Ostrava, breaking the meet record with 94 metres. And he's the bizarre thing is that there just seems to be no one near him at the moment. The, at that Ostrava Golden Spike meeting, the, the guy in second was uh, Peters from Grenada with 83 metres. And he was happy because he got a season's best and... And then you go, but the winner got nearly 10 metres further than you. Vetter's just in a league of his own. It's incredible. Absolutely and, incredible. And as some, somebody who's in the league of their own, as the rest of the competition obviously get better is, is the advice, but that's not exactly the easiest thing to do. You can't just go out and get better. But for the rest of the competition, what what what's the kind of impetus and goal forward to go to a meeting when you know if Vetter's there? you're probably at best going to be competing for a silver medal. Well, I suppose you've just got to assume that he's, he's going to have an off day. That's all you can really hope for. I mean, as I say, in Doha, him and Roller both had off days and we ended up having gold medals from 
you know, from Grenada, from Estonia, um, from people who they may have contested for medals anyway, but obviously it was meant to be Roller and Vetter show, the ones who get the medals. So, yeah, you've, you've got to assume they're going to turn up to a meet and go, right, are the conditions going to be less favourable for how Vetter throws? But as I say, the way that he's throwing, it doesn't matter where he is. He's throwing 90 metres plus. You've just got to hope that he has an off day and you've managed to just get that extra little bit to put pressure on him. Yeah, you want you want that momentum coming. And uh, Scott, momentum when you're throwing, it's, it's a huge thing that you need. And just how important is it for Vetter carrying this 90 metre plus momentum forward for the rest of the rest of the season yeah i think it's 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 important like you i think it is very important but we again we need to remember that these top level athletes top level throwers or whatever event they're doing there's one focus for them and that's what's going on in japan in a couple of months time and i think if you get into a, a top level athlete like that who's you know for 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 that javelin thrower now from better from germany you know it's there's only one person left in the world who can tell him he's rubbish, and that's Jan Zalesny, um, the only person to throw further than him. Um, but again, you know, I think I think the momentum will help him through this next block of training to peak at at Tokyo. And I think it probably no, he's so far in front of everybody else at the moment. It probably puts him into quite a secure mindset of he could probably turn up at Tokyo, and it won't take. Uh, a performance like that 94 meter throw or the 93 meter throw to take the gold um you know i think he's been knocking on the door for a long time of getting up towards that world record just looking at him physically um as a thrower he's always been one of the bigger throws one of the more more of a muscle muscly build but he looks even leaner even bigger even more powerful um and he's just churning him out his form at the moment i never really believed him in in form until recent years with with my own training and stuff but it's it's it, it's sort of you can turn up at a competition when you're in form like Vetter is at the moment and you do feel pretty invincible you do and you've got to say at the moment it looks pretty invincible because when you're your closest competitor is 10 meters behind you you know I'm, I'm sure him and his coach they won't be getting overconfident he doesn't seem like that sort of athlete but you know, he's he's in a world of his own at the moment. He's in the form of his life, and I'm pretty sure his focus will be to keep building and hopefully go even further at Tokyo. Because what an achievement it would be if he manages to break the world record at the Olympics. Um, and then if he does so, you know, we might see our first hundred meter throw in a while. Uh, so he has spoken about that himself. He says. I don't think it'll be long until maybe not himself, maybe other people will chase him and, and get up with him. But I think we could be seeing a hundred meter throw again soon. If he continues this form, fingers crossed, he stays injury free. Um, and he just keeps going further and further. I hope, I think hopefully as well, hopefully we'll get some people up closer to him to push him on. Like we've spoken to previous, talking about previously on the podcast where, um, you know, somebody who's out there on their own. Sometimes it's harder work doing that then if you've got a couple of people chasing you on your heels all the time, pushing you onto better distances. Um, so we'll, we'll see how the season get, goes on now. He's got a good couple of months of, of, a, of training to get up towards Tokyo and hopefully we'll see him get to that world record. Yeah, and he's a, he's a man that we are going to be keeping our a close eye on just to see how, how he gets on though. 
you don't need to keep too close to an eye because otherwise you'll miss the the full flight of the throat. Speaking of someone though who is in a, a world of their own, pretty invincible at the minute, and Sandra, I'm going to come back to you because you brought this up again. But Javon Harrison in the high jump and long jump, just how invincible is he at the minute? Well, he's certainly showing that he's in terms of NCAA athletics. He's he, again in the world of his own, and he's he is the man to beat. But he's also showing now in terms of world leads as well. When he jumped a couple of weeks ago, he obviously jumped to two thirty six again, world lead. That has obviously been taken away from him recently, um, the other day, by a Ukrainian who jumped two thirty seven, which I think is you know ultimate gamesmanship sort of stuff. You know, oh, there's a world lead that I'll I'll just beat it by one centimeter. But yeah, Javon Harrison, he's he's proved that his indoor form isn't just just for indoors he has shown it on outdoors as well that he can still jump long and far along well long and high even sorry yeah so uh, it, again it would be another one where i think we've talked about before similar to harrison for in terms of sprints from the usa whether he's another one from the university setups will he then convert to big championship results will he get Will he perform at American trials and get through to that Olympic team and actually do well on that world stage? We'll have to wait and see when the Olympics comes round. Yeah, and, and if you've got somebody in a world lead that's you know beaten by a centimetre and you're pushing by a centimetre, and that, that ultimate, like you said, sportsmanship, you know, going to the Olympics, it's kind of like, it's kind of like its own promo in a sense. It's kind of advertising its own little battle that's going to go on. So you know that people are going to be tuning in in Tokyo to watch and see who's going to come out on top, who's going to take it by the odd, the odd, the odd centimetre here and there. And just how important is that for the sport? Oh, incredibly important, especially for, um, especially for high jump and long jump, where they, they tend to be the ones that can sometimes be showcased. Obviously you've had Barshim in, in the high jump for the last however many years being sort of right. I'm the guy to be, I'm, I'm doing, He's the one sort of clearing up to 240s and, and plus. Maybe Javon Harrison, he's definitely young enough to improve even further, to get up to those 240s. And great, Barshim's got a, got someone to, to jump against, as well as these uh, Eastern Europeans as well, uh, to compete against. And especially long jump as well, because uh, we, we've just been watching the Gateshead Diamond League that's happening at the moment. And that was one in 8 metres 11. And Javon Harrison's jumping 8.36 over in the States without a massive tailwind. These jumpers at Gateshead have had a plus three point, plus four point tailwind. So it's illegal and they're only jumping 8.11. So it shows that, I don't know, it would be interesting to see which which event he actually does go for. Because he is pretty high up in both. I, I don't think I've seen someone go to the Olympics for both high jump and long jump. It's not and something you you tend to see. It'd be interesting to see if he does go does go to uh, for both, and, and that's brought us on to quite nicely an, an excellent uh, topic, which is a uh, Dutch thrower. Uh, I want to. I really apologise if they're listening or there is any Dutch people listening, and I absolutely butcher the pronunciation. Well, I know we have a big Dutch fan base on this uh, podcast. You never know. You never know. Somebody might know Dutch really well, and I could be about to absolutely butcher this uh, pronunciation. Um, Somebody could. I'm putting too much pressure on myself now. Uh, Yorinda Van Klinken. 
I, I, that's that's what I'm going with. And like I said, I apologise if I butchered the pronunciation. But she's thrown uh, 70.22 metres in discus, which is a five metre PB. However, that is her second event. Uh, she's normally a shot putter. Uh, and I'm going to come to throw shot put. And um, it's very, very good. Throw shot put and has also done discus. So Scott Jones, how impressive is it to throw that distance and put five metres on a PB? when it's your second event um i think it just shows that whatever training she's doing uh for her shot has carried over excellently obviously we we don't know what percentage she splits them events whether it is a straight 50 50 split with her time and her training between the two events or whether um the shot put is is her setting stone main event and she just plays around with the discus but i think to be honest when you start getting to the level that she's competing at um you know you obviously there's there's so often at that sort of level you have a specialist event um it must just be we don't see this very often nowadays in modern day athletics but i think it just shows whatever conditioning she's doing um for her throwing as well as technical work because there are a couple of points from from rotational shot that that carry over into into the the rotation discus technique um and they're obviously working very, very well for her as a base in her in her technical points. And she's just gone out there. You know, these things can happen in the long throws. You know, it's it's there's more opportunity in a in a throw like the discus or the javelin where if it's a really perfect day, you know, obviously you've got the factor of the wind out there, which for shot put and, and hammer, you don't really. Um but obviously she's she maybe have caught a decent gust of wind. Um, obviously thrown a very good throw as well and hit all the technical points and and performed an excellent technical throw but she might have just caught a little bit of a gust of wind out there and it's just helped it over that extra when when you're throwing upwards of 70 meters you know it can find you an extra two meters sometimes maybe more so um, not to take the the effort and the the uh, take something away from the throw and say it was all she just caught a gust of wind but you know there's things like that that can happen uh, which can lead to an enormous PB like that. But, you know, I guess it just shows that whatever training she's doing is working. And I think you've, we've been able to tell over the last, you know, since the start of 2021 by looking at the European indoors um, and looking at athletics all over the world and, and the American meets that have gone on, you can tell those athletes have used the time a bit better than the others. And that's, and I think you can even see that in the sprints as well, in in the running events, not just the highly technical field events, but you can see who's used that time off to become a different athlete uh, and become a better version of the self. And I think it's fantastic to see a European athlete going out there and and producing a mark that puts her up there with the Americans and in the in the women's discus with the Americans, with the Cubans as well, um, who are very strong in the you know and, and putting a good representation out there not just for herself in a country but for europe as well and show that you know we're 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 chasing america over here in europe they, they may have across the board they may be in front at the moment but um we're certainly giving chase and i think that's excellent to see yeah it, it is excellent to see it and you, you made a very good point though with if she hits all the technical points catches a gust of wind she can pb by two meters plus Xander, if she was to go out again and throw around her new PB mark or even further, what what suddenly goes through the mind of 
of of the athlete does she suddenly start thinking maybe i need to switch or is it actually i need to hold station and and just think are these are these flukes or are these actually consistent results now no i i i don't think she i don't think she'd she'd think oh maybe it's time for to switch because clearly as scott was saying she, if she's training doing all, her conditioning work for both shot and discus you wouldn't then just go I'll just take that one out and just focus on the disc because if she does that, she'll actually, she may actually find her performances go down. It's similar. We tend to provide a lot of good runners who have a multi-events background and when they actually specify down to 400 meter training, they actually don't get that much quicker because they haven't got the strength from their other events. So I think she, if she does produce the same sort of performances again, I think that's great. We have that's the difference in terms of Javon and Harrison. We have seen people combine hammer and shot in an Olympic Games. There's a Hungarian thrower. I can't remember her name off the top of my head, but she's she's done shot and and uh, and hammer both at the same world meet or at the same Olympics. So that is more commonplace. So it wouldn't surprise me if. She keeps going with shot and discus to, up to that level. You, you also have to remember, I know Scott mentioned about the Americans and such being ahead. You've got to remember Sandra Perkovic from Croatia as well, who's obviously been dominant in discus. So, it, yes, Europe hasn't been as good and we've only had Sandra Perkovic who's really been up there. But that would be great for her. She, she's obviously been in the world of her own, having so many world champs. And also claiming so many European champs to herself that she should then look at that and go, hang on, there's a young generation and one athlete now who's actually going to be nipping at my heels in discus. This European discus champs isn't going to be all my own way anymore. Hopefully then that means that she rises and, you know, we get, as, as Scott said, more European throwers producing at big world meets and at the Olympics. So, yeah, hopefully she keeps going with both and it's she gets those consistent results and it's as we say not just a fluke hopefully, uh, hopefully it's not just a fluke and it is something that we will we'll, we will keep our eye on here at the pb podcast because we've got two very eagle-eyed uh pundits in xander and scott they keep their eye on everything that's going on and talk about everything and things that have changed and things that they don't like and xander has mentioned that the uh, Gateshead Diamond League is currently on at the minute. As we are recording this podcast, uh, I can see the reflection in his glasses. Uh, I can't quite see what's going on, but I can see the reflection. However, when I said that these two pick up on things, now there was a rule that's been brought in final round, last three rule. Now, our two pundits aren't the biggest fan of said rule. So I'm going to hand back to them kind of explain what what the rule is if you're new to athletics and you're not really sure what it is and why they're not a fan of it so i'm going to come back to who do i, I was going to, to i was, I was going to say do you want first. do you want do you want me to start because i feel xander's got some good stuff on this and i think if i get my bit out of the way first we can look forward to his part on this um so just to give a bit of clarity i'll, I'll put my tooth penneth in and then Xander is free to uh, to unleash 
his um, vent his ire about this rule. This rule's been in. Please do interrupt me as well, and if I do get some bits wrong. Um, but just for anyone who, who isn't in the know in the Diamond League in these competitions now, uh, in certain field events, in the sixth round, only the top three athletes compete. Am I right so far? Xander, am I good? Right. So oh, in the last round, in the sixth round, only the athletes who are ranked first, second and third get to have their sixth attempt, whether it's uh, the shot put throw or the long jump, for example. And basically what this turns the competition into is a lucky dip of who manages under the pressure in the sixth round. So, for example, I'm just going to use a um, when they first brought it in. Uh, a competition that Tom Walsh, for example, was shot putting. I know Tom Walsh was in was in this competition, so um, he'd led all the way through the competition, uh, first to the fifth rounds, uh, and in the sixth round, he produces a throw. I think it was sub sub pie. Obviously, he didn't quite hit it right, uh, and the competition in the end was won by the by the thrower who'd ended up who was third all the way through. So basically, it turns. You, you end up with a winner out of these top three people and it's all judged from the attempt that they manage in that sixth round. So it doesn't matter that Tom Walsh led the competition all the way through, through rounds one to five and had by far the biggest throw of the day out of all the rounds because he was, because out of those three, he only produced the second furthest, the other athlete won. And to me, this is it's 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 playing around with one the validity of the result, and two, you know that they're trying to do it to make it more entertaining for fans. And I get that. I get why IAAF, sorry, World Athletics, um, are are trying to do this to try and make it more entertaining. And also, they brought in the ninety-minute rule because they believe in the in the wisdom of their minds that obviously 90 minutes is the optimum viewing time for any sport. So everything's compressed and condensed into only a 90 minute thing on the TV or whatever. But if you've got new fans and this is a spanner in the works for me, if you've got new fans, people who are new to the sport and then you're trying to explain this rule to them, a new fan guaranteed is going to sit there and go, right. So who won then? I saw I saw Tom Walsh, the guy from New Zealand. He threw over 22 meters. No one else has done that today, have they? No, you're right. No one else got near him. So he won then, didn't he? Oh no, uh, he won over there. Who threw 20 meters 80? But he threw 22. No, no, the guy who threw less won. So somebody please tell me what was the whole point of the first five throws? You might as well have just walked straight into the competition and gone, right, you only get one throw. Whoever throws it far wins. If you mess it up, forget it. It's just, and Xander's got more in detail about that, I'm sure, in a second. But the thing for me that winds me up is you're taking an attempt, a sixth attempt, off a lot of other athletes for the sake of only giving the top three this sixth round. If you want to do this, because all it is is a gimmick. That's all it is. If you want to do this gimmick to add a little bit of extra spice at the end of the competition, fine, great. Give everybody the six, six throws or six jumps. Give everybody the six rounds and then add a seventh round in for the top three and say, right, uh, again, using that example, Tom Walsh was the winner of the competition. 
who wins the bonus round and the top three go into that. And then you're not cutting short the competition of this happens to throwers and I'm starting to get my back up now. I can hear myself, but you know, you wouldn't, the hundred meters is on later, the women's hundred meter final between Shikari, the big face off between Shikari Richardson and Dina Asher Smith. It's on in a short amount of time. Now, if that gun goes for the race and after 80 meters, Shikari Richardson and Dina Asher Smith are out in front of everybody else. They're not going to walk out and say, sorry to the other six girls. You're going to have to stop now. Only these two can finish the race. You know, they're not going to do that. It's not done in the high jump. You know, it's not done in the pole vault. So why, for the sake of providing a, a gimmick, which they believe is going to provide more entertainment, and it very rarely does, um, because a lot of people foul their long jump, for example, or foul their throw, and it just gets all messy and rubbish. What's the point? I think I think the whole thing on on the face of it to try and add some entertainment, okay but give them a seventh round. That's my solution to the problem that I would do. I would give the top three a seventh attempt and call it the bonus round. And whoever wins out that gets an extra bit of money, if it's a Diamond League, for example. That's my bit over. Over to Xanta. <laughs> uh, just before I go on to it, the, the 100 metres women is just about to start, by the way. Um, but yeah, the, I, I, you raise some spot-on points, to be honest, that it is a gimmick. It is mainly for that TV and for for the audience purposes because, but I'm not sure the added seventh round is 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 the way forward because obviously six jumps and six throws is is obviously a lot, and you obviously see some people not doing well on that uh, that final jump and throw sometimes. You see some obviously I've watched this Gateshead meet and it it does work sometimes because when obviously in that long jump comp. They, the the furthest jumps were actually in the sixth round, but that's a very rare moment where it has actually worked. But it's still, as you say, unfair that only three people allowed that final jump. It's they made it's all the other people have somehow just been right. No, you don't get an extra one, and it's it is unfair. But you also have to think as well. These this the majority of this Diamond League stuff, it's for sponsors. It's for money. It's uh, it's not necessarily a lot for actually pr- producing good, getting your prep ready for, for champs. A lot of it is just literally, right, if I go to this meet, I'm going to get a lot of sponsors. And then also, if they win this random three last three thing, then they'll get some extra prize money because they're in this final three jump off. And going back to what you said about, obviously, the furthest rower might not win that final three thing that then means from their sponsors because even though they've thrown furthest in the competition but not won that final three thing and they actually finish second or third surely there's going to be athletes with contracts who if you finish first in a diamond league you get x amount of payout and now suddenly they're not getting that because of this new rule and they've not, even though they've, as you say, they've thrown or they've jumped the furthest in the competition. It's, it's, I can understand it's just so frustrating um, to us pure, like athletics enthusiasts and athletes that it's, it's going this way that, that the money is speaking and that, that these are the, how the competitions are going ahead. I'm hoping it doesn't happen for world champs. 
and for and Olympics and stuff. I hope it just sticks to Diamond Leagues because fine, you do that, you go do that, but for world champs and for major champs, keep it with the six jumps for everyone. You know, it's only fair. Yeah, and it's it's got to be fair, hasn't it? If you you're competing on the the very pinnacle at the top of people's careers you can't mess around with moments that they've trained for their entire life i mean if if you're listening into this podcast and you've got an opinion on the uh, rule of the last of three rule please leave it in the comments below on facebook or twitter or instagram wherever you you've clicked through to to listen to this and we will maybe discuss it further in the future if we see it again and it comes up as a as another topic of uh, of conversation it is it is very interesting. I think the time it's taking you to explain what the last free rule is, I think any new athletics fan would probably sit there and just gone, I don't, don't just, I want to see him jump, and whoever jumps the furthest wins. Please my, my just other, leave it as that. Yeah, my other worry with that is anyone new watching athletics will assume that's what happens at every meeting as well. And this is why I'm saying keep it out of Olympics and stuff, because that's just not championship athletics that's gimmicky athletics like and that's what diamond league is there you go there you go the man said it it's gimmicky athletics keep it keep it plain keep it simple and keep it easy to understand because that's how you attract the new people and the new fan base anyway we could probably talk about this forever and ever however we're going to bring it a little bit close to home and um league athletics speaking of something uh, that doesn't happen all the time now Xander. Two years ago, you said you were last back at a League Athletics meeting, and yesterday you were at a League Athletics meeting. How was it? Yeah, interesting. Uh, it, it, as I say, I've, I've been coaching for a few years, and it it was a very weird moment, I think, just post-COVID, going to a league match um, with quite a few of my athletes there. And it's, it's just quite funny seeing that, seen certain things like when you turn up and there's guys who I mean I, I haven't properly competed at a league match in what five years now something like that and there's still guys there who who are competing doing all the all the events for just a single point for their team and they're still there now they're still there doing absolutely everything just plopping a jab in getting over a height in high jump for their team and it's it's great to see, but I also it's also quite quite strange for me to see just see all the same faces are there in league athletics. It's like nothing has changed. Exactly. Um, I actually spoke to a coach today about it, and he said, "Oh, it's a joke. You know, you, you it's it you shouldn't have league athletics shouldn't be just someone turning up and plopping one down for the team, like getting a single jab in for for a point in the team." And it should have standards and stuff like that. And I sort of agree with him in a way that if you put standards in, it will increase the level, hopefully increase the level of league athletics. But to me, I think that's British athletics at the moment is that's that's what's keeping the sport together. You can't exclude people at the moment when they've been out for so long with COVID and stuff. I feel like you you need to have that sort of camaraderie of a league match where you have that person who turns up and just gets one for the team and you keep your team up in the league and potentially get promoted and all that sort of stuff. And you've, you've got to have as well, you've got to have the 
the, the very much rawest form of athletics where people who just want to come along and enjoy the day, enjoy competing, enjoy something that they've probably been part of their entire life, who just want to pop a javelin out, yeah. try and throw a shot put, get a jump in a long jump and run the 100 metres or run the 1500, whatever. And you, you've got to have that standard at some point. In, in all sports, there's got to be that. And I'll, I'll use it as kind of a, as a comparison. But it's like Sunday League football. It, it, you've got to have it. You've got to have that form of people just want to turn up, pull a jersey on and and compete. And Scott, I don't know if you kind of have the same opinion yeah, I mean, well, I I've, I had to make a, a substitute appearance yesterday in the Northern League. Um, my coach Mike was was actually meant to be competing, but he got injured, and I had to step in. And the amount of athletes I saw there in the division who, um, you know for a fact, and you obviously me and Xander be able to tell, but like I said, they love coming along, competing, putting on the vest for their club and doing whatever they need to do or whatever they want to do. Um, one thing that some people don't like doing is they don't like training. Uh, so the, the amount of people who you can tell love coming along, competing in the Northern League, but don't train for whatever reason. They don't have the time or they 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 just love the competition aspect. And like I said, there is a place for that. There's got to be a place for that. You know, we we've, you know there's definitely cricket teams, football teams, rugby teams out there who, you know, they don't train. They just turn up to the match in whatever fixture it is and they do it for the laugh and the enjoyment and the pint of lager after the game usually. Um, and and maybe, that's what they do it a, for. Maybe we, maybe we do a PB podcast challenge and we start entering me into some events and we'll do some training. Zander, this is something Zander we have. Whole, I wholeheartedly agree with this. When <laughs> this, can we start? Yes, this is something that myself <laughs> and Xander have put to Rob. Um, Rob has no track and field experience. Um, however, excuse myself me, and Xander. Excuse me, I have track and field experience. I did sports day in high school. Cut up, right. <laughs> <laughs> you competed and you competed well. Um, I did. I, think... <laughs> I can, I can he, tell um... the hit, thinly veiled sarcasm there. Oh, it was beautiful. Well, I'm just looking. I'm just looking. Rob's wearing a Hollister jumper now, and um, it's a, it's a shame they didn't have high jump at uh, our old school sports days, because I'm pretty sure Rob would have competed well. They'd have um, they'd have called him the bird, and um, <laughs> but um, yes, myself and Xander, maybe we should you should comment uh, once we've posted this podcast. Comment on Facebook, on Instagram, everywhere. We might put a poll out on Instagram. Whether you want myself what and Zander to enter Rob, to we're going to enter <laughs> Rob into an open meeting and we're going to coach him through it and we're determined that we're going to get him a medal somewhere. He's going to get a medal <laughs> of merit and it he's going to do it. it Maybe that's for a later summer. podcast, but it myself and Zander, we we're, fully, we're, <laughs> fully support we're gonna, this. We're gonna have to, well, it's going to help our socials because we're going to clearly video all this and oh, uh, yeah. add more content to the socials. Of course, of course, and it's going to be training videos, and I'm going to die at some point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll give you a crash course in everything. We should say that Rob has entered the London Marathon, so um, and he is going to be running the London Marathon for what charity is it? Uh, the National Deaf Children's Society. Uh, just thought I'd throw that out there. 
So, fantastic cause, and Rob will be running the London Marathon, and myself and Xander will be tracking him via GPS and the tube if we manage to get <laughs> in there for that. Um, from, from, from a distance, from a nice yes. comfy chair with a pint. But, <laughs> as, we say, as, as, as I was saying, there is a place for that, and um, it was good to see. It was good to see. Obviously, there's when you get to the, the regional leagues level and, and, and under that, you, the mixture of athletes that you see, athletes who are striving for, Maybe younger athletes who stepped into that senior age group, or they're looking for uh, looking for English school standards, or they're looking older athletes looking to try and push towards British champ standards and, and England championship standards and things like that. And then mixed in with athletes from from maybe other clubs who who don't train, they just turn up, help their club out, and they get equally as much enjoyment from just turning up and plopping the javelin out or the short or you know jogging up for a for a long jump as the person who trains four, five, six times a week, striving to get to British champs does. And I guess that's the beauty of the sport. And like you said, it, it does have to have its place. And as well, I think it's important to say these sort of competitions wouldn't go ahead unless it was for the volunteers who officiate the events and help to run the events. And, you know, the the clubs who, who look after the finances well enough to be able to host them. And and there's a place for that as well. You know, these these sort of regional leagues rely on volunteers who love getting enjoyment just out of officiating and, and watching people compete as well as they can. And, you know, it was good to see. It was good to see the sun was shining um, yesterday and there's a lot of smiles on people's faces just to be out doing something that they've not been able to do, obviously, since 2019 properly, basically. So, um, yeah, I think everybody felt like it was a breath of fresh air from just having to train in car parks or parks or wherever you can find and yeah anywhere so and it looks like those days are going to be behind us soon fingers crossed touch wood uh hopefully so yes it was good to see lots of enjoyment all the colors out in the club vests as well um and yeah it was i think hopefully if if the regional the regional leagues can use this opportunity where people have had a breakaway from competing and want to get back into their club teams and compete in these regional leagues, it could help revitalise them, hopefully, because I, I think they'd probably admit themselves they've been, I'm not going to say they, they were dying, but they were they were a bit stagnant. You know, nothing much really was going on with them. And I think with COVID happening, it's forced them, obviously, had to they've had to rejig the structure in the leagues to make, the clubs that are in them divisions a bit more local so there's less traveling around the country for these competitions um so hopefully that that they'll carry that on hopefully and potentially i'll be there trying to steal a medal yeah. who knows who knows and who knows what sport uh, what sport what event it's going to be in as well come on rob yeah you got to get it right mate so now, what now, now you're in now you're in the sport it's events <laughs> when it, i don't event? i don't like these people who when i say oh i coached decathlon they go Oh, is that the one with ten sports? No, it's events, mate. Okay. Will you take the Will you take the word discipline? I like I like the phrase discipline. Is ah, that you see, d- disciplines means whether it's a run, jump, or throw. Ah, that's the disciplines. Right. And then see, you've got events under the is, disciplines. We need to narrow it down to discipline, <laughs> and then into what event I'm going to compete in. I it think Sanders, I think Sanders already hit the nail on the head. You're doing a decathlon, mate. That's all. <laughs> yes. So. Uh, you need a strong pole vault to get me up and over that. I'm just saying. No, no, you need a strong pole for pole vault. All oh, right, okay. I need a strong pole for pole vault to get me up and over go. and or just through. <laughs> Maybe that's where I die. I'm glad you brought up though, Scott, uh, your substitute performance. 
Uh, because I've got it on my little list here, and we have a PB on the PB podcast. What's not what? What's not to love? Uh, um, I, I'm not going to take the glory from you, Scott. I'm going to let you talk about your new shot put PB. You've got well, two yeah, minutes. Well, yeah, I'll go make a cup of tea. Yeah, it's probably it it's, it's probably going to be overshadowed. It's probably going to be overshadowed about Ryan Crowe's PB that I'm going to talk about in maybe five minutes' time. But yeah, um, pretty mad week for myself. Uh, managed to. Put a meter onto my um, onto my shot put PB in the space of four days. Um, so yeah, I had a, the Trafford Grand Prix uh, twinned with the British Mileage Club on Tuesday, and um, my PB prior to that comp was only 13.07, and managed to open up with a 13.56, which I was very happy with. Back it up with a 13.39, and then uh, in the fourth round, um, just managed to execute. Even better, I managed to go out to 13.62, which I was, um, my mind was blown, to be honest. I, it didn't feel as good as my first round throw, but the distance came up on the EDM. It was 13.62, and I was very happy. Round after that, I managed to back it up with a 13.57 as well. So it was my first ever series of all six throws being over 13 metres. Um, it was, I was, to be honest with you, that was probably the thing that, in, that I was more pleased about more than the actual distance. The distance was great. The, I've put I've put the work in since September, since I moved to the rotational technique, and the the distance was fantastic, but it was just a case of executing because I knew I was, I was capable of that. It's the fact that I was able to back it up and have a good, strong series across the board that I was I was happy with. And then um, I was I was all set up for having a day out um, again at the at Stretford, at the Trafford track where I train. Um, but watching this time, I was ready to have a day out and just um, watch my coach Mike and my training partner Lee um, go out there and, and compete in the Northern League. Unfortunately for for Mike, he had a slight injury and it meant that he had to pull, uh, pull out the competition. He said, can you help me out? Can you do it instead? And I was like, yeah, sure. Um, went to the competition, not really expecting to PB again, but I guess... When you're in a good run of form, Zandro probably agree. You never know when it's going to come, and you just you go into a competition sometimes, just basically saying we'll see how it goes. Um, it, the distance comes out on the tape measure or when you run through the line on the clock, and it's an enormous PB. And I managed to throw 14 meters 11, so another half a meter bashed on, I guess, uh, onto that PB. First time over 14. Um, not quite as tidy, I guess. I guess I was still a bit. Uh, mind blown from Tuesday and it was a bit of a rushed preparation only 24 hours notice but yeah fantastic and now I, I've got a, a week and a half of hard training until I go to uh, to the Bedford International um, on Bank Holiday Monday so hopefully there's going to be some huge throwers there um, if you haven't seen the lineup I think it's got an Instagram page the Bedford International and you can have a look at the lineup it's absolutely stacked field in in the throws and the jumps Sophie McKinn is going to be there Amelia Strickler's there uh, Scott Scott Lincoln is there as well some huge throwers in the shot the discus um, obviously there's a restriction still on on view on the people who can go and spectate uh, and that's that's a shame but yeah if you want to follow the results I'm sure they'll be posting them online and I think that'll be a fantastic day for me personally I just want to go out there and continue how I've been going on um, and hopefully I'll have another good day out. Hopefully you'll have another good day out. You know what? We might even give you the social channels and just go mad on the day, take pictures, do videos, share the day, share the experience of what it's like to be backstage as a shot putter. Yeah, I mean, uh, we can bring definitely... the content, all the content, hashtag content. <laughs> now, we did have something else to talk about. However, we are getting tight on time, so I'm going to skip over it slightly because we've got one of our features. We've got one of our sections and it's back to Xander. 
because Xander has been on his travels and we are now down to Xander's travels. So Xander, where in the world have you been and what have you been up to? Well, Rob, this <laughs> week. <laughs> yeah, so recently we had the first world event of the year. So world relays that were in Celestia in Poland. And yeah, there was, it was a very interesting chat because obviously in Poland, COVID was at pretty high rates, to be honest. Uh, so there was always going to be issues whether it was actually even going ahead or not. They ended up going for it with loads of restrictions in uh, the usual travel issues of you've got to, you've got to make sure you've got your three or four different forms filled in before you go out like travel like passenger locator forms and letters that allow you to actually travel in the first place so we had a an actual letter from world athletics saying let this person into the country please uh, which didn't work for some of our team and we had to have a translator brought in for that, but hey-ho, we managed to all get in in the end. Um, so, yeah, that was very interesting. We all had to have numerous COVID tests throughout throughout the week that we were there. So obviously we turned up, the competition was on Saturday, Sunday. We turned up on the Monday because we had to get COVID tests done as soon as we landed, because if we were negative on those tests, then we were basically stuck in a hotel in Poland for two weeks as we self-isolated. Luckily, which would, uh, I mean, it's happened anyway, but luckily no no one tested positive in our team. Uh, they actually came out from that champs with very low rates of people getting COVID. I think out of, I, I think it was, I'm not sure if, the, if this is right or not, but something over 100,000 tests were done that week. 1% or I think it was just under 1% actually came back with positive tests. And it shows that the the sort of the systems they've got in place now in terms of dealing with COVID for major athletics comps are clearly working in that before you fly, you have to have a test. When you get there immediately, you have to have a test. Throughout the week when you're there, you have to have a test and make sure it's negative and that sort of thing. When Ed, whenever anyone was in the track area or just in the stadium you had to wear a mask it's there's that sort of thing obviously when athletes were competing we've mentioned it before where um where we've had the athletes actually compete in masks we didn't have any of that which made me a bit because obviously i was i was down at trackside and i had this weird moment where we were it was athletes training and i was there doing a bit of testing on the equipment with officials and it was a very strange moment where usually when there's loads of athletes like that around me for a world athletics movement, brilliant, that's their skippers, there's this person, there's this person, I'm so close to them. But actually I was sat there doing this testing with my mask on, every, all, all these other athletes without their masks on and stuff. And I was sat there thinking, actually, I'm a little bit anxious because with how high COVID rates are, and even though they've already done their tests and whatnot, and they are probably negative. There's there's that little fear that I could get COVID here, and I've I got COVID on my last World Athletics trip in Poland, so I know it's not great. So I was I had, it was a very strange moment for me that the feelings were flipped. That I was actually anxious and not excited to see all these athletes there. Um, it was very strange, but 
overall, with the team that we had out, we had a very small team go out compared to usual. We were actually down six. We were supposed to go out with 14 team members. We ended up going out with eight. So we had a lot of people covering new areas of the team. But as as always with a Seiko event, we all rallied as a team and we got a really good event. Really enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, no issues, luckily, as far as I was concerned, which is always mega. Um, yeah, it was very interesting just to see that sort of champs as well with, I'm sure we'll go on to talking about it now about the actual re- world relays, but it was a very different world relays to usual i'm sure you guys will agree compared to usual i don't know what you guys thought about it well i must i must say i i managed to i found it quite hard to to watch to be honest i thought i thought they would have made it slightly more accessible than they did on the social media channels but i did watch some of the races and what i do have one question for it obviously looking at the times the times for the four by ones and stuff weren't weren't anywhere near what those those teams were producing in Doha in the at the World Championships. Um, they were relatively slow times in the four by ones, um, but obviously the crowd was missing. And obviously in the relays, that's when the crowd really seems to just. I don't know what it is about a relay; it just creates even more anticipation and excitement. Um, but what was it like having the four by ones? Were obviously the athletes are. There's a lot of shouty communication about when to set off out the box, when to put the hand back. What was it like, basically listening to a four by one race with no crowd? Well, it's interesting you mentioned that, but they've actually taken an, a leaf from football's books in terms of pumping in crowd noise. So at the meeting, they they obviously had all the all the staff members and all the coaches and the and the members of the teams who aren't running. They had their own little stand. Of, so there was crowd noise coming from there, like actual crowd noise coming from them. But actually, they'd set up the PA system and they were actually pumping out crowd noise and and most importantly music as well during the the events, which obviously gave gave it that atmosphere. But you're right, it it was quite strange because you you can tell it's fake crowd noise. You can tell because there's not that sort of that bubble that 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 roaring feeling that you get when it's actually a packed house. So I didn't actually hear the athlete, because I mean, not for those who may have watched it, I was basically sat behind a big yellow box past the finish line. Um, so I was pretty close to the action in that sense, that, but I, I still couldn't really hear what, what they were, what anyone was saying because they'd pumped in or tried to give that, that sort of atmosphere, pump the atmosphere in. So it wasn't like, you know, when you watch the 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 Sky Channel where they take off crowd noise and it's you can just hear the coaches. It wasn't actually like that. They actually tried to give a bit of atmosphere. So I think that's why you, some some teams quite performed better than before, but majority of them, I think they just knew, even with this fake noise, it's so much better with a full crowd. And it's a shame that actually in japan we may not even get that yeah that's a good point it was it was announced that there'll be no international fans at, at tokyo we i think we covered that in the last podcast uh, but now they're even talking about it's going to be limited numbers with social distancing so that'd be interesting to find out uh, from a, a fan's point of view uh, the results for the relays did they kind of pan out how we were expecting them to to go uh, no actually 
they, they, even though even though the big teams weren't there let's be honest that the big teams weren't there the states weren't there jamaica weren't there canada weren't there gb didn't even push out a full list of teams and even the teams that did go out they weren't their a-list teams i still think there were some surprises i mean poland did really well they they hit some good t- good results i think the big surprises were italy italy when the men's and women's four by ones was a, a bit of a surprise on on the days when when it happened i don't think many people were expecting it and obviously because the uh, the dutch team were in especially in the women's race were ho- and probably in the men's race in the four by ones were expecting to win because of how well they'd qualified and they ended up the men messed up in the, for the Dutch team, and then we had the, obviously, obviously the controversy of the end of that race, where actually the people who'd won got disqualified because they passed the baton outside the area, and that's the brilliance of relays as well. Even though these teams have finished, you've then got to wait. You've got to wait for a couple of minutes for that result on the big board to come <laughs> up with the official result, because until that's right, you've not won your medal yet, because you've got people watching. Like scrutinising over videos of changeovers as to whether it was legal or not, and it does add an extra element to realise if you if you are new to athletics and you don't you don't know why this is so it just adds another element is like Xander said a, a nation could finish and win, but all it takes is a toenail outside of the the transition box where you've got a transition one relay from one athlete to another and sorry one baton from one athlete to another. Um, it's just torn it outside. It doesn't count. So, but, but yeah, I think the results were interesting, especially the shuttle relay stuff that happened. I mean, Kenya basically put a team in every single event, including the shuttle relay, mixed shuttle relay. Now, I don't know about you guys. Obviously, Scott, you've seen plenty of athletics and been involved with it. Rob, you've also probably seen a lot of world athletics as well. I don't remember any kenyan hurdlers who've made it to world champs or to an olympics and yet they put in a team for the, the shuttle relay and guess how many teams entered that shuttle relay six three so nice. all they needed to do to Stay get up. a world medal <laughs> was finish that's all they needed to do and Point sure enough did they finish they finished. <laughs> they finished quite a bit of time behind uh, Germany and Poland, who who were the first and second in in that race. But they finished, and they've got a world medal to show for it, which is incredible. Like you just never see that. I don't think you'd ever see that at any other world relays that's not affected by COVID. But I just thought it was great to see all these different teams. Like you saw Zambia turn out in 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 a four by one, and um, you saw Cuba dominating, and all like these other countries who wouldn't make a world relays or make it to an Olympics, and they turn. They just right. I'm going to put a team out. If we make it to the final, that means they qualify for the Olympics. It's that simple. For the four by one and for the four by fours, if you get through to the final of the world relays, you qualify for the Olympics. It's there that simple. Go. So loads of teams will have been going, right, we're just going to make sure we get a team through to that. And we've got a team in the Olympics. It's that simple. And you know? Know, sometimes you've got to be a little bit savvy with what events you enter 
just to get that just to get that chance and that moment you know five minutes 15 minutes of fame as they call it and there you go i mean that the world the world relays was great i actually did enjoy the shuttle relays quite a lot <laughs> it's something different and it's a mad event it's it is mad but it's something different and it's great everybody just loves it bonkers uh speaking of different events we are going to move away from xander's travel and hopefully when xander next travels to wherever he goes in the world we bring we get some more uh, more good uh, anecdotes uh, xander is about to tell us where he's going next yeah next event is the world under 20 champs in nairobi kenya so hopefully that's going to go ahead in august and we'll get back to you on that the world number three nation for the shuttle relay yeah there you go <laughs> there you go rolling in the big leagues now yep no it's very good and we do like xander's travels um before we move on to the final final part of the, of the podcast which is our z versus s where we we pitch our two pundits um against each other scott you've got about 60 seconds to rattle through a throwers update because i know you were very keen to talk about this um, yes well i'll uh, i'll streamline it as best i can um so uh, there's no other way of saying it i'm just going to throw it out there last night uh, as we record this pro this podcast ryan krauser became the third member of the 23 meter club um amazing amazing fantastic technical throw um in where was it let me just double check it was in tucson in arizona 23 meters zero one uh to go number three thrower of all time with the fourth best mark of all time behind world record holder Randy Barnes and Ulf Timmerman. Um, again, it was an amazing series that he'd set out. He'd been challenged um, a couple of weeks earlier. Joe Kovacs went out on the 1st of May uh, at the Jesse Owens Classic to 22 metres 74 to take the outdoor world lead away from Ryan Krauser. He's, he, after that, responded at a couple of comps with 22 metres 60 and 22 metres 69. But last night, he um, went out again to Tucson and he took the field apart. Um, he, he left Joe Kovacs, who was um, a distant second in 22.04, and managed to produce a 23.01. Um, like I said in the first podcast, he, I, I've called him to be the Olympic champion, to be the man to break Randy Barnes' outdoor world record. He's already the world indoor record holder. Um, and just looking at the series that he put together again last night, you know, just reading through the, the throws, 22.44, 22.59, 22.20, 23.01, backing it up afterwards with a 22.86. You know, the man is, is in the best form possibly of his life and that's saying something for an Olympic champion. Um, you know, he's I think the good thing is that I don't think that twenty two oh four from Joe Kovacs is as represents him as as good as he is. I think he's a better athlete than that. But it all just bodes well for Tokyo. I think we're gonna get a clash for clash of the Titans there and it's gonna come down to who manages to deal with the, the pressure the best. And I think we're going to have to see a, an enormous throw. I think we could see for the first time ever a 23-metre throw to take the Olympic gold. Hopefully that world record will go. Um, and who knows, It's the ball is back into Joe Kovacs' court to respond to that 23-01 throw um, to see what he can do. The third man, Tom Walsh, he's still hovering around the 21.5-metre mark. He's looking to peak, um, obviously, later on in the season. And then a bit closer to home, um, again, at the the Trafford Grand Prix that have gone on over the past couple of weeks, we've seen some top throwers turn up there chasing com Commonwealth standards. Uh, Nick Percy, 
uh, has gone out to 62 metres 51 that Trafford to get his qualify for Scotland, as has Kirsty Law. Uh, 58-82, she managed again a, a Commonwealth qualifier for Scotland, and she's backed that up today at the Loughborough International with another 58 metre throw. Um, so, again, the in the throws world, a lot of people are on fire. Amelia Strickler, she was at Trafford as well uh, a couple of weeks ago through 17.52 and has today gone out to a personal best of 17.90 at Gateshead. So again, she's improving slowly and looking to to peak late for the um, for the championships in for the Olympic title. And finally, a word for Scott Lincoln, who went out to the European Throws Cup in Croatia and gained... Um, probably what has to be said, a bit of a surprise bronze medal with a 20 metres, 25 throw. Uh, went out there with some top European athletes and um, really performed performed really well in the comp. Opened up really fast, really early with his 22, 25, put the pre- with his 20 metres, 25, and um, put the pressure on them. So 20, 25 for Scott, again, getting over that 20 metre barrier. Um, and I think he's going to be looking to get up there with these European throwers more often now. Um, I think that, as far as the throws update in 60 seconds, has been done in about three and a half minutes, but I tried my best. Uh, but was, again... Very whistle-top. Uh, very whistle-stop. Very whistle-stop. But the, the bottom line is Ryan Crows has just become only the third man to become member of the 23-metre club. Um, 11 no, centimetres off the world record. And no doubt, Scott, you'll keep us very, very much up to date with the Throwers Club and the Throwers What's Going On. And you'll throw it all our way, which is what we like, because it keeps... You like the puns, Andy. You like the puns. Keep throwing it it our way, because we love it. And it shines a spotlight on, sometimes, a slightly forgotten part of athletics. Um, Now, something that we've not forgotten about is our little competition that we have at the end of each podcast, which is S versus Z. And something I have not, and Xander's getting ready for this. I thought he was going to lean forward then and uh, prime himself. Uh, Something I've not forgotten about, and I wrote it down in my notes. Now, the last time we did Guess the Athlete, uh, Scott was a runaway winner, 3-0. Now, we will not be wanting a repeat of that, will we, Xander? Did you you really need to say that now? Yes. Just as I'm trying to psych myself up. <clears throat> yep, just, just playing the mind games already. So overall, though, it is one all in the series. Uh, Xander took the win in the uh, is this name true or false? Uh, the athlete or not? And Scott won the guess the athlete. So we're back to a guess the athlete, and we're going to dive straight into this. So are you ready for your first athlete? You can play along at home. So like if you're sitting in the office or the car or at home listening to this podcast, and you know that, just shout the name out loud. Somebody will hear you. And you might be right, you might be wrong. I'm sorry, I can't mark you whilst I'm there. But are we ready? The first athlete. Olympic gold medalist, 2008. World champion in 2007 and 2013. 400 metre runner. I have one more clue. Oh, I have two more clues, actually. And the both you're both looking up to the right, top right. Is it Bing? Go on. Is it Jeremy Warner? It is not Jeremy Warner. Scott's currently biting his nails. He's racking through the, the. He's searching the shelves in that brain to find the next one. I will give you the next clue. 
she is British. Balls, Christina Hurugu. It is Christina Hurugu. So that is 1-0 to Mr Jones. It's a shame Make we don't it. have an expletive button, isn't it? <laughs> um, I need to work in a ping to go over the top. Uh, we'll go to the, so Zan doesn't swear that he didn't get the first athlete. We'll go to the second athlete. Second athlete is an Olympic gold medalist in 2000. World champion in 1995 and 2001. Triple jump. Jonathan Edwards. Oh, oh. I was, was, was going to go for it and then just thought, I'll wait a bit longer. Oh, no. Sander, this next one is for pride. I'm sorry, mate. Yeah, my final clue for that one was world record holder. <laughs> I would have given it away, but it's already given away. Scott does take that point. So the final one. Olympic gold medalist, 2012. Three-time world champion from 2005 to 2009. Competed in the 100 and 200 metre. Scott. Is it Alison Felix? I actually cannot believe this, but he's gone 3 0 again. It is Alison Felix. In the 100 and 200. She could be in the 100 and 200. That's what I got off the, that's what I got off the internet. <clears throat> right. Okay. I'm, I did pretty sure, I'm pretty sure it was 4 and 2, but anyway, moving on. Well, Scott's got the Alison Felix yeah. as oh. the answer. It's 3 0. <laughs> I'll win on the next one. Totally fine. So on the guess the athletes, we know Scott's going to win. And on the is this name, is this an athlete or not, Xander's going to win. So that does make uh, Scott 2-1 up in S versus Z. That's fine. Uh, as long as I could, I, I just know I'll be able to tie the series then. Just tie the, keep tying the series. It's great. Cause it's, it, it makes for great listening. It's uh, got to slip up sometime, lads. <laughs> <laughs> He's, he's got a falter. He's got a falter. Uh, it just, just. Uh, I'm sorry, and I have ruined your reputation with your athletes again. I do apologise. <laughs> now we do have one athlete for the fans at home, and I will read out the clues. One-time Olympic gold medalist in 2004. Oh, I know this one. Of course, you know this one. You told me this person. Uh, three-time world champion in 2003 to 2007 in Paris, Helsinki and Osaka. Heptathlete. Now, that is all I'm going to give you. And you can comment on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram in the comments below and let us know your answer. Let's um, see if you're right. You'll have to tune into the next podcast, which will be in the future from today. Or if you're listening, if we've done more than four pod, like we're up to 10 podcasts and you're just listening to this for the first time just wait like when spotify shuffles into the next podcast you can listen already it's like dave like on bbc don't, don't be too optimistic rob saying that we're only going to have recorded 10 podcasts well i don't know when people could have been a bit more optimistic like oh you know when we've got through 100 podcasts and you're only just you're having a replay through six of and we've got 20 podcasts per season and you're just listening to the pilot podcast, it gets a lot better <laughs> because we get better at it. And um, the final thing that I do have to mention, and um, 
it was in the news a few days ago, is that ex-European and Commonwealth Marathon champion Ron Hill of Great Britain uh, died aged 82. Uh, he represented Britain in the marathon at the 1964 Tokyo Olympics and in Munich 1972. And he became the first Briton to win the Boston Marathon in 1970 uh, with a course record at the time of two hours, nine minutes and 28 seconds. I'm going to use that as some serious motivation uh, for my marathon, but not as much as this bit. He, he also ran at least one mile a day every single day for 52 years and 39 days before ending his streak age 78. I mean, that's very, very Incredible. impressive. Absolute uh, so, legend of the sport. Actually, legend of the sport machine and our condolences do go out to his friends and family and everybody who knew and got to work alongside such a great man and a great human being. Um, like, like Xander said, legend of the sport. Uh, that is all we do have time for here on the PB podcast. You have been listening to episode four. You can catch up on all the other podcasts on Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts. I think we're on Apple Music now as well. Um, and Anchor FM. You can also find us on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. I'm sure we'll manage to work in at some point me competing in a league meeting in uh, the event of your choice. So there you have it. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, I've been Robert Lee. I've been joined by Scott and Xander. Gentlemen, thank you very much for taking your time out of this Sunday evening uh, to talk all things athletics. And you've been listening to the PB podcast. Bye-bye.